Hello and welcome to the Local Government Leaders podcast from Public Intelligence and the MJ. My name's Mike Bennett. This episode features a conversation with Baroness Scott of Bybrook when we met recently in the House of Lords. Jane Scott is the Conservative leader of the Wiltshire Council Unitary Authority and has been since June 2009 and before that of its predecessor Wiltshire County Council from 2003 to 2009. Jane was made an OBE in 2010 and was created a life peer in August 2015 by the then Prime Minister David Cameron. Following the recent local elections, Jane was again elected Leader of the Council. I began our conversation by asking Jane how she first got involved in politics. In politics, um, when I was very young, um, my parents were Conservatives and I did the usual um, stuffing of envelopes and delivering through doors. Um, but when I seriously became involved was when I was in Wiltshire. Uh, the children had grown up a bit. Um, I was secretary to one of the uh, conservative uh, associations. And then I was asked to, as a paper candidate in 1995 for North Wiltshire District Council. Um, I was told I couldn't win, mm. but I did. Um, and then two years later, a similar thing happened. Um, uh, go for the county council, you'll not win. And I did, and I won by a very, very small margin, uh, under 50 votes, um, three recounts, and a very unhappy Liberal Democrat later. Um, and I got into the county council, so then I was a, ju- a dual hatter. And, but when you stood for election, did you want to win? Or did you yes, believe? Yes, I did. I did, did really. I, although I knew nothing about local government. Um, I once I started to get on, not so much for the district council, but once I got into the district council, I really wanted to get into that next strategic level into the county council. I, I, I really wanted to get involved in the children's services, the social care services, all the big services I, I started to have a, a fascination for. Interestingly enough, I, uh, my eldest daughter is, um, is handicapped, physically handicapped. And I've spent quite a few years um, arguing uh, with with local authorities about her her education particularly, and I think that sparked something as well. I thought I could perhaps get in there and make a difference. So it was a political household in the sense that um, politically engaged, and you saw some of the activity of campaigning from a from yes. an early age. Yes, I did. But your exposure to local government was one of well through your own personal circumstances. Yes, um, particularly with the county council. I, I honestly didn't know what a district council did, mm. a, apart from it's where we paid our council tax to. Um, so th- that was very different. But yes, from the county council's perspective, I, I, I had had one or two dealings. So what were your preconceptions before you got involved, before you got elected of local government? Um, remote, mm-hmm. not very interested in us. Um, almost like um, almost like a club that nobody got into. Um, didn't know what happened. Didn't know how it happened. Didn't know how decisions were being made. Very very old fashioned compared with the businesses that I had seen and been involved in. So yes, mm. I, I found it all quite quite strange, really. And I wonder now, if looking back, do you think that people in your position and uh, who are in a similar position? Um, to to you, uh, do you think they have a, a similar perception of local government, or do you think it's changed? Um, I hope they don't in Wiltshire because it has changed, and um, it's quite interesting because I've got ninety eight councillors now standing for an election, and um, many of those are, are new candidates, 
and many of them are, are, are young, in the younger age bracket, and they come into Wiltshire Council and see a very modern business, um, which wasn't as it, it wasn't like that when I first went in back in the late nineties. We'll perhaps come back to some of the the changes uh, in Wiltshire a little bit later on. But what, just thinking about your motivations when you first uh, when you first stood, what was it that you wanted to achieve, or why did you want to become an elected member of the of the community? I think it was something giving back. Um, by that time um, I was um, I was quite comfortably off um, and my children had grown up and, and I thought you know why not do something completely different. My whole past life had been in agriculture particularly in dairying um, and um, I just wanted a change really and um, it just seemed a good way of getting involved in the community putting something back into the community and when I came to the county council it was definitely about changing what we did as the, the relationship between parents and children who are disabled or parents of disabled children or carers of disabled children and the council and its services. And can you remember any inspiring figures anybody who uh, either in national politics or local politics or elsewhere who um, moved you along that road to kind of pulled you into politics? Not, not in local politics, because I didn't know anybody <laughs> in local politics. Yes. Um, and that, that's a story in itself, isn't mm. it? Um, no, I, I, I wouldn't have ever met my local councillor before. Um, I know it's a cliche, but I, I, I was a great lover of Margaret Thatcher. There was no two ways about it. You know, as a woman who wanted, wanted to get into a journey in politics, um, you know, she, she was just somebody to look up to. And so then what was your... Your first taste of being an elected councillor, like what? What can you remember from that <laughs> that first uh, night or early morning when well, the results I can were remember. Well, I, surprise I, from what you said. Yes, it was. It was a shock, and I can remember saying to the electoral officer at the time, he came up and said, "Congratulations, councillor Scott." And I thought I'd never heard that before either. And um, he said, "You know, here's your pack, and we'll see you at the council offices." And I had to say, "Where are those?" Because I had no idea where the council offices were. So that was the first. Um, but the second one was um, uh, we were in opposition in North Wiltshire at the time, and uh, I was given the uh, shadow responsibility for leisure. And I can remember having a conversation very early on with the leisure officer which I was trying to get my head around the fact that I had got more crosses on a ballot paper and that I was in there talking to a, a, a professional of leisure services and I was there to sort of work through some policies with him when I knew nothing about leisure. And I found that quite a difficult concept. And I have to say, council officers helped me through that a great deal in the first two or three years. Certainly did. Mm. That's interesting. So you found that that idea of being um, a, a layperson, yeah. but um, working with the professionals. Yeah. So how did that how did that role develop? How did you come to understand the role of a, a counsellor at that stage? I think I, I think I I spent a lot. I, I decided that I wasn't going to be very mouthy to begin with. People will be shocked at that when they listen to this. But I wasn't to begin with. I was going to sit. I was going to listen, and I was going to learn. Um, it was much more difficult probably in, in the district council because it was we were we were very much um, in the opposition um, and um, to begin with I found it all a little bit um, unbelievable really it, it wasn't as professional as I should thought it should be mm. it was all a bit um, 
a bit silly at times. In terms uh, of the, the politics, mm-hmm. the politics side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as but as soon as I got into the county council two years later, I, I felt we'd gone up a, a, a tier, you know. And, and uh, I, I always remember going home after I'd been there, and I said, "This is serious stuff." To my husband, this is life and death, and mm. this is really serious stuff. Mm. Um, and um, I was very lucky in the in the county council because I went in um, with a leader of the opposition called Peter Chalk, who was then the, the chairman of the Conservative group in the LGA. And um, Peter gave me the opportunity to um, to shadow on education uh, with a girl called Carol Soden, who had been a long-standing councillor, very very good. And a counselor, and he just gave me that responsibility very early on, and um, he nursed me through those few years, and, and and that's the bit that then I really got hooked on local government. That yes. was that was the turning point, not the district council, the county council that's was the turning the point. Mm. Yeah, got me hooked. And and what about the officers in uh, in the county council at that time? What were your first impressions? Good, good, very professional. I was particularly close, obviously, to the um, to then the chief education officer, and um, uh, and yes, I, I felt very very well supported. But again, I did sit and I did listen, and I spent many many hours in the council on things that I knew nothing about. It's a bit like being in the House of Lords, really. You sit and listen to things you don't know a lot about, but you 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 do. By the time you finish, you begin to understand where they fit into the bigger picture. So I did a lot of that. Um, but I think I found my feet politically. We had a three-tier education system in part of the county. And I read up about this, and I realised that the, um, the outcomes, the performance of children coming out of the three-tier system, compared with the two-tier system at that time in Wiltshire, was not good. So I can remember, to this day, standing up, and I didn't do what I should have done and talked to my, um, my, the lead, Carol, and I didn't talk to the leader, but I stood up and I voiced my opinion about the fact that I didn't think these children were getting quite um, the deal that they should be getting and maybe we should be considering changing it, not realising that there'd been two aborted um, uh, attempts to do that in the previous number of years. Mm. And so I got myself in a bit of trouble. But interestingly enough, we pushed it through. And I, I, I stood by my, you know, my mm. conviction on this. And the Conservatives stood by me as well. And history shows that it's changed. And people now thank me for actually pushing that through. So you, all these things that happen in local government, you, know, um, you grow up a little bit more, and you learn a little mm. bit more, and you understand a little mm. bit more, and you get more confident. So you do see you see it as a developmental process. Oh, it has absolutely. Been, has been a journey. Yeah. And so that's 1997, is that right? When yeah, you when elected, I went into the county, yes. to the to the county. Yeah. And then, so what what were the uh, the stages after that leading to? You well, we were in we were in opposition then. Yes. Uh, to the Liberal Democrats, um, in 2000, we we took a one majority, and I learnt how to pull people across to get that majority, and the deals you had to do. So that was mm-hmm. another learning. Curve that was in 2000, and 2001 we took control, and um, then Peter decided he would, and I became Peter's deputy leader, and he was away a lot, which um, gave me the opportunity to spend a lot of time with the chief executive, with chief officers, 
and see the council further than just education mm -hmm. and children's services. Um, and then Peter decided not to stand in 2003, and um, that's when I became leader. First woman in mm -hmm. a very, very male county, because mm -hmm. it had been quite military-run, a lot of yes. ex-service people had been on the council, so it was quite a move for Wiltshire. Yes. Um, and, uh, well, even in terms of county England, I don't know that. Uh, yes, there wasn't that many women no. around. Um, Perhaps there still aren't. Some <laughs> there are say. not enough. And, <laughs> and, and, um, and I asked a question of that uh, not long ago in the House of Lords because I think we need to do more work on it as a, as a family of local government because it's not good enough, really. And would you say that people pushed you to become leader or was there a drive inside you to...? There was a drive for me to, to position myself, to spend a lot of time in County Hall... Uh, to support Peter but not challenge Peter um, and Peter Chalk was, was very, very supportive of me and it, I, I wasn't challenged. So it was the natural uh, So it natural was a natural step. progression and um, I'm very thankful for it. And how was leadership different from your, your previous experience of being deputy leader? What was the step up? Oh, it was very different. Although we got we, we do get on very well, Peter and I, we're two very, very different people. Peter ran the council in a very traditional, old-fashioned way. I could see the opportunities to change authorities. I hadn't been in there long enough to be sort of bogged down by it. So I knew when I'd finished, when I got in there, uh, that, you know, there was changes and I could make them without... Well, I, perhaps I upset a few people. I don't know. There are there are issues about, you know, what we call each other. You know, we, we were beginning. You know, those, we're in the two, early two thousands. People were starting to call people by their Christian name. You know, there was a friendliness about it. Um, I felt that a leader needed to be in there full time. Peter didn't. That was the way he led the council. I did. I wanted to be in there. It was a full time commitment to me. It still is. Um, to be in, in, in Wiltshire and to, and to lead Wiltshire. Not to run the officers, that's, that's not my job, but actually to be there as a very, very visible leader in the, in the authority. And so what were the key issues from <coughs> 2003 up to the um, <laughs> becoming a unitary? Uh, what, 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 well, what were the key mi we, milestones? I, spent, uh, I, I did two budgets. Mm. Um, 2004 and so that was the time of growth, of course. Yes, and we were getting more money from the government, weren't mm -hmm. we? If you mm -hmm. remember rightly, Indeed. we were, and we were moaning about we weren't getting enough for inflation, mm -hmm. but we were getting increases year mm -hmm. on year, mm -hmm. and yet we could still. We I, I spent the summer of 2006-7 um, actually sitting down with my chief, then chief executive, working through a projection for the next 10 years for Wiltshire, and it looked awful. It looked dreadful. We were one of the lowest funded councils in the country. We could see an increasing number of children in our care, same as we've got now, more people with, more older people, more people with disabilities, and, and a pretty poor infrastructure of local government. And I, I just could not see a future in it. So we had already sat down and worked out that we had to have a, a completely different relationship with our communities. And this was way before the big society stuff Indeed. that David Cameron brought out. We'd already decided that unless we got people to be more resilient, stronger in their communities, and we just couldn't sustain the amount of service we were giving. 
And so we'd already started on that journey way before Unitary came up. Mm. Um, and we were trying to work with our districts. That was quite difficult. It was um, sort of two steps forward, one back all the time. It was all about power and money and savings. Mm. So it was, all, it was all quite difficult, but I was determined. I was determined to change local government. I was absolutely determined. And the unitary status, of course, happened under the Labour it government. It did. It did. Um, opposed, I think, by the um, Conservative front bench at the time. Yes. Um, but that was a positive step for, for Wiltshire. Um, when when um, it was offered, I just could not see that we couldn't go for it. Because to me, what was most important, and I go back to Margaret Thatcher here, because she said, she said, what's important, yes, is your country and your party, but you, you, you know, you've got to stick to your principles and you've got to actually represent the people who have voted you in. And I, I just felt that that Wiltshire needed a change in order to, for, for these services to be sustainable. Um, you know, we'd, we'd gone through education funding where we were taking money out of roads and roads were going downhill all the time and we're still trying to prepare them because of that bad time. So, it, you know, it, it was just a no-brainer. Um, but it did cause trouble. And it was did it, cause me trouble. And it, so it was about efficiency and um, uh, scale? It was about Strategic. efficiencies, it was about joined up services, it was about working better with um, our public sector partners and giving them less, less um, resource requirement, working with five of us rather than one of us. Mm. It was about businesses knowing where to go to in order to get things done for them. Um, and it was about a big council that had the capacity to do things that we knew we hadn't got the capacity to do. Do you think there was any, was there any impact on uh, the identity of the, the the loss of the districts? Was it, did that impact on the local identities of those no, places? Because what we did very early on um, was we did we one of the big things that people said when, and I went out to two hundred and fifty six public meetings about this, so I'd listened I listened to anybody that would listen to me. Uh, and, uh, and listen, I would talk to anybody who would listen to me and I listen to them but what, um, what they were saying is oh it will all become Trowbridge centric you won't care about us we won't have anything local so we, we very quickly uh, planned to have area community areas of which we've got 18 and they were given the powers to be able to make decisions locally within policy of the council and the budget they've got and that gave people somewhere to go to talk to the council, and it's been highly successful in, in my opinion. It's still going, it's still successful, people come from all over the country to look at it. So, and that has stopped it, and I have not, and this is the honest truth, I've not had one email, one letter, or one phone call to say, please bring back the county and the district councils. But that's the interesting thing is, you don't, you, I, I never thought of it as being a county takeover. Mm. For me, it was this great opportunity to change the council, to have a completely different culture, different behaviour framework. So it's not a merger, it's a no, new council. No, it a new was council. a new council. It's not an acquisition, it's not a merger. Not at all. It's a new council. It was an absolutely new council, and that was very, very important. And I still say that to this day to those councils that talk to me about you know, amalgamation in county areas. This is not about the county takeover. This is about something new. And what were the key conditions for making it a success, in your view? This change of culture. 
this totally different organisation. So that if you came from a district council where you were an officer or a member, or the county if you're an officer or a member, you weren't just going on the same. You had to come into this organisation with a totally different view of local government. It was going to be modern, it was going to be efficient. Yes, we were going to change the whole time. It was none of this, oh, leave us alone, we can't take any more change. No, it was going to, so it's going to be a dynamic organisation rather than what I said before, which was a bit dull and old-fashioned. And do you think it might um, come back onto the agenda again for other places I'm, in the future? I'm doing my best to make sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> I see, okay, okay. No, I do, I seriously think, I, I think we've got to a point in particularly with the financing as lo local government it is at the moment, um, I think we seriously have to look at ourselves and say, is this the most efficient way of doing um, local government in this country? And if you had a, news a piece of paper in front of you, it's not the way you would have designed it. And I think local government has a responsibility to look, look at itself, in my opinion, and just say, come on, guys, let's, let's, let's think differently. One of the key relationships you've already mentioned between um, for, for, for any leader is that with their senior officers yes. and particularly yes. that of a, a chief executive or <laughs> in, in your case, <laughs> I think you, um, you removed the post of chief executive I and um, I think it's evolved somewhat since that first move. Mm. But just what are your reflections on, on that? Why, why was that? Uh, a key thing for you to do because, and how's that worked out? Because things were getting really tough I, and I was having to make hundreds of people down lower down the organisation redundant so I went away one summer I think it's six years now, I can't remember and I, I just thought, no hang on a minute you know there's somebody right at the top of this organisation that is paid a lot of money, do, I, do we need it? Do we need it? By that time um, I was work I am as I am now working full time in the council, so were my cabinet, very experienced, very knowledgeable, willing to give up their time to do it. Do we actually need anybody? And we came up with a structure that summer that said no chief executive, just three corporate directors. Um, and um, I wouldn't go back. I don't think my cabinet would go back. But I've always said right the way through, this is a personal thing. And, you know, I'm not going to say to any, any other leader it's the best thing to do. Um, you know, not many have gone down that route. A few have. Um, and I think it's a personal thing. It works for Wiltshire and it works for the Conservative administration. We haven't changed, actually. We've always had, we had three corporate directors. One, one left and we didn't replace them because I'm seriously looking at whether we need to look at uh, integ an integrated post, post with health because I think that is the next big step for local authorities into the future. We've got an election coming up that wasn't the time to do it because, um, you know, if another leader or another administration, hopefully not, um, in Wiltshire might think differently. But I, I think, so we, we've held it really just for that, that reason. And the head of paid service role. Yes. So I think um, so. So that now, that now rotates. That's it does re rotate. Ah, oh, there's always an argument about head of paid service role. Um, I always ask what they've done, and they don't seem to have done much in the in years. You know, there's very few things that they really do. Um, yes, we have that discussion, and and we've tried. We tried with HR, head of HR. 
that didn't really work because of, of the, the responsibilities of um, the, the, the um, head of, of children's services. So then we went on a rolling one. I think, uh, to be totally honest, I think we should go to one, but it won't, it, it won't be in the title. It will just be a responsibility, and because I do think it is, is important that with the model I've got of three corporate directors, each of them is equal. We cannot have one above the others, because the whole point is that they all take corporate responsibility. Uh, one of the other reasons I did it is because whatever, however we tried to change the culture, we still had silos. You know, I mean, when I was in, first of all, in the county council, we had 300 odd uh, different businesses, it seemed to me, that never talked to each other. I mean, I'd have a library person ring me up and say, I've got trouble with young people on my, on my library steps. Well, ring the youth service and sort it out, you know. There, there was all those sort of nonsenses going on. And I, I thought, we, as unitary, we got rid of those silos, but I don't think we had as much as we should. And having three corporate directors, I think, is the one step I've had to stop the silos because they all have responsibility for the whole. As do my associate directors as well. They have responsibility for, for the corporate well-being of the organisation. And finally, on this, what impact did it have on your role as leader, did your role change in uh, in the aftermath, or no? I d people say, "Oh, you're the chief executive." No, I'm not. Mm. I don't manage anybody. I don't tell staff to do anything any more than I did in the first place. My job is to lead the cabinet and the administration to set policies and set uh, budgets for the council, and then to challenge, yes, as to whether those are being delivered and delivered well. Probably the only thing is. Um, I, I perhaps do a little bit more civically because I can't share it with the chief exec, you know. Mm. Um, so, yes, perhaps I do a bit more in the evenings, a few more dinners and things than maybe <laughs> I did before, but there you go. And so thinking about your, um, your role here in the House of Lords, mm. how do you balance being the leader of a, a big strategic mm. uh, county and a very active um, parliamentarian? Lots of travelling and little sleep, I think, is the short answer. No, I, I have a, a very clear um, routine. I go into County Hall between 8 and 8.30, Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, and I leave at about half past 12, 1 o'clock, get the train up here, work here until the whips say we can go home. And that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, m most, most weeks, very rarely am I up here. I'm in, in Wiltshire and I'm there weekends as well. So, um, and of course, we all have iPads and iPhones, you know, it is not difficult to keep in touch with the office at all. And as long as your diary is arranged, so your meetings are in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mornings, all, all day Thursday and all day Friday, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, of course, also, the Lords has a lot of recess, you know, yeah. um, so it, it, it's, it's manageable. Um, obviously, I'm very much a backbencher here. I mean, if I got any more responsibility here, you have to rethink. You, you, but um, I haven't, and the whips know that my response, my my at the moment, my um, priority is Wiltshire, especially as we've moved moving into some elections. So, um, but of course, in the future, I will have to rethink what I do. And and I've been leader now since two thousand and three. I was leader of the county council, and then moved on to leader of the 
uh, the unitary. So I think, you know, uh, I think probably these next four years are, are, are transitional years for me. Okay, so what's the what's the next step in your <laughs> leadership journey after? Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I'm 70 in a couple of weeks' time. I haven't got any of them. I want to keep my involvement in local government. I love it. Um, but I also are very, very keen on, on the military families, veteran side of, of, um, of the government's work. And I just hope probably that I can get a little job somewhere doing something that makes me useful. Um, because it, it is interesting, the House of Lords, for, for a leader like myself, and I don't know whether the other leaders feel the same, we're used to being doers and deliverers. We're not used to the scrutiny type role. And so we've come from that, that executive doing role into a scrutiny role, and that's taking quite a lot of adjustment for me. Mm. That's interesting. And what do you, what's the perception of local government from, from this place? Um, I, think it, I think local government was stronger on the opposition benches. Um, I think, you know, uh, there, particularly in the Liberal Democrat benches, there's a, there's a large contingency of ex or, or, or serving local government people, and probably a few more there were in, in the Labour benches. Um, but I think since I came in 18 months ago, that is the, the increase has been uh, four or five of us come in, and we're now quite a strong voice behind the Minister. And I think it's appreciated by the other peers because I think they struggled with local government um, legislation because I don't think there was quite the, the, the knowledge and the support for the minister than there is now. Is there a, a local government DNA that connects people with local government background no matter what their political affiliation? No, <laughs> I don't think there is. I think it's... I, I'm, I'm not saying we don't all get on, because we do, but I think there's a differences in local government politics as there is in central government politics. It is quite different. And looking back over your period as a, as a leader, do you think English local government is more localist or more centralised? I think it's moving to more localist. I think it's not as... And I don't think it's as localist as it could be. Uh, I wasn't a great lover of the devolution side of, of government. I, I think it works in cities. I think it's right for our great cities to be governed similar to London. I think that's absolutely right. I'm not sure it works in, in, um, in the more Middle England rural areas. Um, I think, and everybody knows, I feel much stronger about the fact that if we had larger unitary um, uh, councils out in out in the rural areas, I think we would have a, a stronger voice with with government. And I think if government had a simpler system of local government to work with, I think we could push for far more devolution, proper devolution, in my opinion. I think it's very very complex to produce um, policies for government, to produce policies for local government and to fund local government in the way it is set up at the moment. And that's why I said previously that I think it's, it's down to local government to sort itself out. And what's, what's been your biggest challenge as a, as a leader? What's been most challenging? I mean, the whole political um, 
journey I went through with Unitary was very, very challenging. To go against your party is hard. Mm. It is very hard. You know, I was called some quite unpleasant things by a few people. Oh. Uh, you know, I was just, you know, I, it, you're almost excommunicated. Right. And that hurt because you're then deciding between your party and your constituents and your county. And that's, that is quite hard. That is very hard. Um, but I still went down that the people that voted for me, the people, the community I live within, were the most important thing. But that was difficult, very difficult. I went through some difficult years then. Is that the thing you're most proud of? Yes. Yeah, because I think if you go through those things and you sit down, and I spent a lot of time thinking about what I was doing, um, and um, when you go through those things and it works, um, yeah, you're very proud. And that's what made me most proud about coming up here because I did go against my government and my party. Um, and yet they appreciated the fact that it, you know, I'd stuck to it and it had worked. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 you know, when David Cameron rang me, and I don't, didn't know him as, you know, very well at all. You know, that was the, the proudest bit, mm. was that he'd actually said that to me. Do you think that was some people conceding that you had been right? I'm not sure it's right or, or, or that, you know, I'd stuck to my guns and I delivered what I said I would deliver. I'm not sure it was right or wrong. I think it was the fact that, you know, I, I stuck to it. Do you have any regrets? Not about that, but in your <laughs> regrets. political like, leadership? You well, know, I think in any... In any uh, you, people, in, people in local government, councillors in local government, people don't realise how much they give up I gave up my business, I gave up, you know, some, some of my personal life to do what I did do. And I think the bit I regret most about local government is that um, governments, successive governments, um, and people don't, don't appreciate what the hours of, uh, and, and the passion that a few people put in to do that job. Because we keep getting told, you know, we're only volunteers. Well, you know, you, would, you shouldn't have volunteers looking after a billion pound budget. That's not right. And you should, I think we should get, you know, the kudos we deserve as, as local councillors. Mm. So. so do you think that the role of leader has changed significantly? Yes. Since you joined oh, and became local government? Absolutely. I could not run Wiltshire um, with a cabinet system um, the same as Peter Chalk did all those years ago. Yeah. You couldn't do it. He used to come in and you know give his orders and go. I couldn't do that. You need to have your finger on the pulse. You need the, your staff need to see you. They need to see that you're part of that team delivering when it's tough times, and then you can get them through it. But uh, no, it is different. And and I think I think we've been through a journey actually since 2000 and the cabinet system, because I think. Um, at, and I know that some councils don't like it and have gone back to committees, but it is a good way of, and an efficient way of making uh, decisions and getting them carried out. But I think it does mean that leaders and senior councillors need to be aware of their backbenchers. They really need to be aware of their backbenchers. Their backbenchers need to be fully informed, and that's quite a big, um, quite quite a big resource. Or capacity issue for, for leaders to make sure that everybody not only in their 
in their um, uh, group, but also across the council, knows what you're doing, why you're doing it, talking to you about it before it happens. That takes quite a lot of time, quite a lot of time. But our, our area boards and um, have actually been a huge help in doing because what we've done with those is we've made a clear role for a community leader in their community. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting in Wiltshire that many, many, of quite a high percentage of our councillors, that's the bit they like. Mm. That's the bit they like. The bit in county hall to do a bit of scrutiny or licensing committee or whatever, that's not what they really want to do. They really, really want to be community leaders. Great, thank you very much. So uh, last, last question, what advice would you pass on to uh, an ambitious new uh, leader coming into local government in 2017? I would say don't rush it, take time, don't come in and think that you can change the world, that you understand it. It isn't the same as, as private business, it's not even the same as any other public sector. It is different and it deserves somebody to come in, sit and listen and absorb and slow, slow into that. I, you know, the, the leaders that come in and say, I've just been elected, I'm going to be leader, I'm only going to do three years and I'm going to change the world, that does not happen. You know, and so I would say take your time, talk to as many people as you can, get as many views from different councils and councillors as you can and have a vision for what you want to do with your council before you ever become a leader. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jane Scott. Thanks for talking to us about local government leadership. Thank you. That's pretty much it for the latest edition of Local Government Leaders. Thanks very much for listening to my conversation with Baroness Scott, leader of Wiltshire Council. If you have any feedback, comments on the series so far, please do get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Bennett Mike, or you can email me at mike.bennett at publicintelligence.co.uk. If you're interested in supporting or sponsoring the series, please be in touch. Also, um, do, do, do subscribe via iTunes or download from SoundCloud, where you'll also find all the recent conversations with um, Gary Porter, Jim McMahon, Barry Quirk, as well as the recent SIP for Conference special. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. It's produced by Public Intelligence and the MJ. My name is Mike Bennett, and I hope you will tune in again soon for the next episode where I'm in conversation with Dr. Carolyn Wilkins, Chief Executive of Oldham Council. <laughs>